I'd like for you to turn to the 85th Psalm, 85, Psalm 85. Since we're uh, getting back into school and uh, uh, the new beginnings of the fall, I thought it'd be good to talk about this psalm and revival. O Lord, Thou didst show favor to Thy land. Thou didst restore the captivity of Jacob. Thou didst forgive the iniquity of Thy people. Thou didst cover all their sin. Thou didst withdraw all thy fury. Thou didst turn away from thy burning anger. Restore us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine indignation toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou prolong thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not thyself revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy loving kindness, O God, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what, the, what God the Lord will say, for he will speak peace to his people, to his godly ones, but let them not turn back to folly, Surely His salvation is near to those who fear Him, that glory may dwell in our land. Loving kindness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth springs from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. Indeed, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its produce. Righteousness will go before Him and will make His footsteps into a way. The key word in, the, in Psalm 85 is the word again. For what the psalmist is suggesting is, is that Something has been that is not now, but he longs to see it again. And he, he remembers what God did in power and blessing, and he longs for that again. Whatever God did in his life and in the life of his nation is no longer true but he longs for it to happen again. And so he prays what you and I have often prayed, Lord, please do it again. He feels like that things are not what they ought to be, not even what he wants them to be, and especially what troubles him is this, that things are not like they used to be. I want you to see how this kind of divides. Verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 85, he's recalling God's acts of mercy and blessing and power. But verse 4 describes the present condition. So that verse one, verses 1 through 3 are that which happened in the past, but verse 4 is what is true today. And verse 
1 goes with verse 4. Look at this. O Lord, thou didst show favor to thy land. Thou didst restore the captivity of Jacob. Restore us, O God, our salvation, and cause thine indignation toward us to, to cease. And verse 5 goes with verse 3. Thou wast withdraw all thy fury, thou didst turn away from thy burning anger. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou prolong thine anger to all generations? And so he is just connecting what has happened in the past with what needs to happen now. And so he comes to verse 6 and prays for revival. Okay. Do it again. Revive us again. Um, I suppose that there be no one here who would not say that what we, great, what we need greater more than anything else is genuine revival, a, a return to what we have known of blessing and power in the past. Now, people are looking for the return of the Lord. Uh, I was listening to a talk show the other day, and this guy was on, and he's, he, you know, the world's coming to an end. You didn't know that, didn't you? Uh, September 6, mark it down. <laughs> World's coming to an end. If you believe in, the, in, in biblical eschatology, that means the Lord's coming back September the 6th. No baseball, so might as well, you know, <laughs> come on back. <laughs> and, and, and so they, everybody's looking, everybody's talking about the return of the Lord. But there seems to be a, you know, a, a general thought of the Bible is, is that before the Lord returns, there, is this, there will be this sweeping revival come across, will be in the land. And that prior to the return of Christ, there'll be this revival in the, in, in the land. Well, the scripture says that he's coming back for his bride, and his bride will be holy and pure without spot or blemish, and his bride is not like that. And so something's going to happen, it seems to be, that will purify his bride and make the bride more like the bride. And when that sweeping revival comes, the Lord then will return. In fact, that seems to be the program of the ages. And if you read the book of Habakkuk, it's a dismal situation in the land, and, the, and, and, and Habakkuk is calling on people to repent and turn to God for revival, and he makes the point that the solution to the problems that existed in his time was a genuine revival of God's people. So there must be, it must be true that the greatest need that we have in this country and perhaps in this church, and some of you individually can give testimony to the fact that what you need more than anything else is for God to do something in your life that will make it like it used to be. Now what is this revival that we talk about, and, and I'm not, not talking about meetings, you know, where you get together and have, uh, you know, a preacher come in, but, but it seems to me that a revival, first of all, is the work of God. That's what he says in verse 6. He, he, he puts the thou, he puts God in the emphatic position, and so he the New American Standard doesn't know how to do that, can't do that and, and make it sound and flow in English, so he, he puts it like this, Wilt thou thyself 
And so he puts the thou in the emphatic position, meaning that God is the only one who can bring about this revival. He's the only one. It is the work of God. Um, I think if we got we have some kind of an idea that if we you know do certain things that that revival will come. Revival comes as the work of God. Now evangelism is what the church does for God, but revival is what God does for the church. Uh, one time, um, this guy came to his pastor. Won't name names, but this guy came to his pastor, and this is what he said: he "said Pastor." What we need to do, we need to start doing more for God. He said, we got too many people sitting on their, the backside of their lap, and we need to start doing more for God. That is not the problem. The problem is not that we need to do more for God. The problem is God needs to be able to do more for us. And revival comes about when God does His work. Now that means two things. It means that revival is the work of God. It means that it is a sovereign work. It is a sovereign work. There is no formula that you follow, one, two, three, to bring about revival. Now, I was watching Billy Graham one time, and Billy Graham preached this sermon and gave an invitation, and thousands of people came accepting Christ. Well, I could preach that sermon. So I got the sermon. And, and, and I preached it, called it the hour of decision, <laughs> had them sing just as I am, and not a soul walked the aisle. I mean, if you got one, two, three... I mean, I get stuff in my mail all the time about these churches that are experiencing great revival. I mean, I get letters and brochures from evangelists all the time about revival. And, and these pictures of these guys standing up there always got their arms out, you know, and folks coming from everywhere. And so, you know, what, what does it take? You know, I get this brochure, I'm thinking to myself, well, if I do it this way and get this certain guy then we'll just have revival in our church. doesn't work that way. Revival is the sovereign work of God. And revival, what's this? Is the supernatural work of God. Let me tell you what revival is. It's what God does in a church that nobody can explain. It's what happens in a, in a congregation. It's what happens in a church. And the people go away shaking their heads in amazement. The only way to explain what happened there today was the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you can explain what happens in a church service in terms of a rationalization, in terms of logic, then this has been no, there's been no revival. Revival is that which causes the world to stand back and say, what is happening there? What does this mean? Revival can be expressed in the words of Rahab the harlot when she talked to Joshua about the people, you know, uh, the Israelis about to move into the, into the land of Canaan. He said, we knew God was with you and terror fell upon us. Let me tell you what I believe, my humble and accurate opinion. 
I believe that the world is hearing about the great things that are going on in the church and, and the world is not impressed at all about what they're hearing about what's going on in the church. And so we can put on our uh, signs and we can put our uh, window stickers up about all that's happening in the church and the world is totally unimpressed. But when, the, when a revival comes and the people wonder what is happening, how do you expect? For revival sets the church back 2,000 years. Revival is a work of God. Second, revival. Now I want you to look with me at verse 8. I will hear what God the Lord, His people, to His godly ones, but let them... Uh, I'm, I'm about to say something that's going to get me in a heap of trouble. No. Okay? I believe that God is more concerned... Now that's, that's pretty scary. Well, let me tell you why I believe. Most of the Scripture, most of the Bible is directed to you and me how to be saved, but it talks about what we're to do with what we've got in salvation. Is because the way God has chosen people. Now let me show you something that I discovered not long ago. It's absolute three. Now you've got to turn to this, because not all the time, well you probably won't, but you know, occasionally you look out. <laughs> I want to show you Peter chapter three. Now, you, you need to see the chapter 3 address, so look at verse 1. This, this is now beloved, and by way of reminder. Now who do you suppose that this epistle is addressed to? Peter's writing to believers, okay? Gave your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day... Is, the Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness. Now who are the you? Who's the you? Believers, one, the, the believers. God is not slow concerning God is because He doesn't want anybody to perish, but all to come to repentance. And you thought that He's writing to lost people and is saying to lost people, He's writing to believers and saying, God is patient with you because He doesn't want it. and our indifference and our apathy, and He's patient with our disobedience and our revive, and they get themselves in a position. God is able to use them to win. You just mark down the number of times that word is used, righteousness, in verse praising the Lord. I mean, people can praise the Lord and go right back to their life. Revival has not occurred. And if there is night with Godness, revival never entertained ten years ago. You would have been ashamed of it ten years ago. Now, has the standard changed? There is rejoicing. Verse 6, one of the us again, that thy people may rejoice, what? In this, it's like an evangelist here just a second. I don't have a pink suit. I used to, I was eaten up with stupidity. I wore this pink suit, this yellow suit, show than a prayer meeting. If you find yourself, this is what it, how it went. Memories, we were. Can it be that it was all so simple? Memories may be beautiful, and yet, what's too painful? Michael, what a, what a thought. 
that what we remember and revival brings about that joy that is, is missed. Verse 12, indeed the Lord will give what is good and our night about, about lost people. Yes. You give me that habit. I mean, is there anything in your life worth clinging to? Say, I heard your prayer for the lost, but I couldn't answer it. Or barriers to salvation, the salvation of others. And you say, well, no, by the acceptability of the person who is praying as the result of God working in and through me, and He can only work in it. The last point, the one you've been hoping I'll hurry and get to, before has <laughs> Next to mine, I'd have to admit. All right, number four. This, this thought I'd write in uh, a little, little um, uh, devotional to you. Works I do, you can do also. You know what he's saying? You can eat. Then he said, greater works than these I do, you can do. You can do that, but you've got to read the next verse where he says, prayer. It's through prayer. There is no secret. Ask and you shall receive. Matthew thinks about those prayers and then we're through. Number one, it must be iniquity. If I give an uncontested place to iniquity, to revive his land, God would do it. Let's pray. And help us, God, to long the peace, the victory. This is my for a long time. And there is an unmistakable in an adult as a youth. Would you just say yes to Christ? Here's my heart and life. Here it is. I surrender the control of my life to you. I trust you for my past and my present and my future. Here it all is. I give it to you. Or maybe you'd like to come tonight and just place your life in a fellowship of a believing church, a, follow, a fellowship that will enable you to be involved in church ministry. While we stand to sing, we invite you to come.